In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in. Back with Jesse as we uh, have another practice to look back at, and it was eventful, thankfully, and eventful in an offensive way. Wisconsin uh, trotted out their deep passing game, and uh, especially C.J. Williams, who had a huge day and uh, was uh, making plays down the field a bunch. Uh, I feel like we need to start there, Jesse, because it was it was clearly the the standout performance uh, of the day. The transfer from USC, the former five-star wide receiver who ended up at Wisconsin and uh, is has been running with the twos, but him and Braden Locke looked uh, locked in together today. It really was an exceptional individual performance from C.J. Williams, and maybe this is the kind of day that moves him into that top group. Um, and certainly was notable that by the end, he was torching the DBs at the second-team defense so badly that they put him with the first group and you and I were standing next to each other. And I was, I think I said something to the effect of I'd really like him, like to see him match up against some of those guys, but it's, it's notable because it's him, um, right? He's the highest rated on, you know, in the online ranking era wide receiver, Wisconsin has signed. I know they didn't get him out of high school, but these are the types of skill position players that Wisconsin hasn't traditionally gotten. And when he, committed to Wisconsin out of the transfer portal in mid-January. To me, that was sort of like the fever pitch for the portal of what Wisconsin was doing. But through three practices, he really hadn't broken through yet and demonstrated that wow factor that certainly he believed he possessed. And the most notable play that he had was a skirmish after after a play, right? When yep. he got upset and he threw the football at Amon Williams on Thursday, missed Williams, and Frakus uh, commenced, and then... CJ had to go run a lap around the field. And Luke Fickle was asked not about CJ Williams' talent level after that practice, but about what he saw and ended up talking about uh, obviously having to display emotional toughness. Um, but now it was all the talent was on display. So, um, and we can get into all the plays, yeah. but it was just he was stacking them up, man. Um, yeah. Let's go through it didn't them. Didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go through them. It started with a forty-yard drop in the bucket from Braden Locke. Yeah, to to CJ Williams for a touchdown. He had beaten the defensive back, who I believe uh, it was was it Jonas Declona? Yeah, was, that's what it I was. Have. What, yeah, it was the first one, and uh, had beat him by five yards easily. Yeah, and uh, it was an it was an easy pitch and catch. The second one, not so easy. Uh, this time he beat, uh, I believe it was Avion Jones. Yeah, according according to the video that UW put out, it's the one that you can go and see. He beat him at the line and, and just ran right by him and uh, made a diving catch. We we were calling it thirty seven yards. Was down to the three yard line. It was yep. uh, great. And then he had another big chunk play. But I wanted to talk about what happened before this big chunk play because I think it this it stands out. So you know he's he's is he I don't want to call him emotional. He 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 uh, he's fiery. C.J. Williams is, is, is fiery. We saw that, obviously, with the thing with Almond Williams. But So one play, he, he catches a little out, and on his way out of bounds, Jace Arnold shoves him, and there's this, there's probably, what, five yards, five feet between the sideline and the hard-padded wall of the McLean Center, and he shoved him when he was already out of bounds, and he shoved him into the wall pretty good. 
and uh, it got flagged. CJ didn't really do anything about it. Like, it's not like he got in his face and like there was put, there was none of that pushing and shoving stuff that had happened on Thursday. This time though, the next, the, the next play, the yeah. next play, him and Braden Locke, they were, they were, uh, they were going to the well and they went with the exact same throw it up, little go route, throw it up. And this time the, t- the coverage was actually pretty good by Jace Arnold, but it didn't matter because uh, CJ Williams grabbed it and then wrestled it away from Arnold and, and held on to it. And I was thinking, oh, that what a what a real turnaround for him. And then he gets up and uh as he's walking away, tosses the ball at, at Arnold and, and drew uh, a flag. And drew a flag. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, maybe the maybe the growth isn't there necessarily uh what I was expecting. But then he also hit a post route later on about for about 20 yards too. So he he, he had a little bit all to his repertoire. Uh, I mean, the, the big plays were just straight go routes, um, but I, he's certainly got more to his game than just that. But we saw it today uh, in full display. Yeah, the last catch was phenomenal, and it really was. It was a 50-50 ball, and Arnold was draped all over him, and I had it for about a 39-yard reception. So we did have officials there, so that certainly helps when they can mark a play. But this just makes me wonder – where things are headed with the wide receiver group, because we've now seen two of the transfers make a big move here early on. Will Pauling, who had a great day on Thursday, really flashed some big plays. I thought he continued to show out well on Saturday. Didn't have as many, but had a couple nice ones, Um, had a a ball in the flat that he leapt for and was able to catch it. And then another long reception when Tanner Mordecai just um, kind of threaded the needle between uh, Travion Blaylock and Hunter Wohler. But so you've got Pauling, who's now started to take first team reps in the slot from Skylar Bell, or they're splitting. And you've got CJ Williams, who, when they put him in the first team, it was for Chimre DK. I don't, I don't yeah. see a situation where Chimre DK isn't your, your top line, one of those top guys. But it's a great problem to have now that you have playmakers you're trying to evaluate with that first group. And Um, You know, we haven't even mentioned Bryson Green's name yet because he's been injured and hasn't participated. So it's it's this is starting to be what we thought was possible. And I don't want to make too much of it and say, well, Wisconsin's going to average 45 points a game because we're still talking about C.J. Williams making all these great plays against the second team defense and a lot of them against freshman early enrollees. And I understand C.J. Williams is just a redshirt freshman, played all of 58 snaps last season. So um not trying to harsh everyone's mellow here, but it is really intriguing to see the variety of options they have and the way they're implementing this offense, which, as we know, is unlike anything we've ever seen at Wisconsin. Yeah, and we'll get into the pace because I think that was also something that stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the pace last summer, last Saturday about how fast everything was going, but, but that was just practice in general. This was actually in team drills and uh, thought it really had the defense kind of on its heels. Um, but we'll, And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you, you mentioned C.J. Williams. You mentioned the wide receivers. Obviously, uh, some some of the other guys were out. Uh, one guy that was out, Chris Brooks Jr., has had a great start mm-hmm. to the to practice. It led to uh, your guy, Tommy McIntosh, getting more reps and actually, uh, you know, splitting a little bit of time there with Keontes Lewis. I think that was more of a that was more of a rest thing to, yeah. than anything for you know, at least for me. But I was looking at you know some of the groups when they were doing just on-air drills, right? And where guys were lining up and who was in what spot. And I think I had this wrong the other day. I think I said uh, Marcus Allen was was working on the outside. He's actually in the slot. So it, it goes Skylar Bell, Will Pauling, uh, Marcus Allen. 
and then Vinny Anthony. Those are the four guys that have been working in the slot. You mentioned Bryson Green. He hasn't practiced, but he did go do a little bit of uh, you know watching and, and where he was. I was watching where he was lining up, and he's in that group with uh, Keontes Lewis and you know obviously Brooks Jr. when he's out there and Tommy McIntosh. So he's he's there. So it's really C.J. Williams and D.K. and Quincy Burroughs at the other spot on the other side. So it's not like he has to jump over Bryson Green as well. And I'm talking about C.J. Williams to get playing time. Uh, in this offense, he doesn't have to jump over Bryson Green. He would potentially just have to jump over uh, or get more reps, you know, as the second team guy behind DK. So I, I feel like it's it's not out of the uh, the realm of possibility to have a significant role. Oh yeah, if CJ continues to just torch people and make big plays, then it's hard to keep him off the field. But um, you do want to see it you against know, Chim- you, you do want to see it against first team guys. I get yeah, that. and and the other thing is, I mean, Chimray is the returning number one wide receiver. He's the unquestioned leader of the group. He's been a playmaker. He understands how to run routes. He does so many things well. Um, but great options sure. to have at your disposal, absolutely. And um, you know, I wouldn't even look at it so much as like if if CJ emerges. If you're a fan, it's not like taking reps away from somebody. It's adding to what you have. And again, Mike Brown has said he'd like to have six wide receivers and. A lot of years when you hear that stuff, it's felt like pie in the sky, really, at Wisconsin. You have two wide receivers, and the third guy ends up with nine receptions or, or certainly the fourth guy. But when you go on down the list, you really see that it's a possibility this year. So they just got to keep working at it. Yeah. One of the questions I was asked as part of the Q&A that we did on Friday uh, was about you know guys that aren't getting reps that could potentially you know, not be here. And it, it feels like with the number of buys they have a wide receiver, there may be guys at the bottom of the step chart. They'd be like, I don't really see playing time. I don't want to go negative here, so we're not going to. But it feels like there's a possibility that some of the people further down the depth chart would be like, uh, there's some dudes in front of me, and I'm not going to play. And uh, maybe that'll change your mind about uh, wanting to be at Wisconsin. I don't know. Uh, very early, very early. But I I think the other aspect of this is the quarterbacks, right? Braden, Braden Locke had a really good day. He, he had a really good did. day. And, you know, and we're talking about these throws to CJ Williams, and there's, there's, been, there's that, but there's also, there are also several others. But I thought Tanner Mordecai was actually quite good too. Uh, we, you know, had Keontes Lewis for 30 yards near the left sideline and then hit Jack Pugh down the, uh, down the middle on a, on a little bit of a seam route for about 25 yards. Flashes, flashes from both guys, I think. Yeah, I, I've had this in my uh, practice story, too, that I, I think Tanner put together. He's now put together back-to-back strong practices. And and on Saturday, it was a variety of throws across the field that really highlighted his accuracy. The best throw to me is the one that I talked about before, where he put it on Pauling. And, and again, sometimes it can be tough to know how would this play have really happened if a defensive back could level a wide receiver. But it was threaded right between Wooler and Blaylock. He also had another solid throw, I think, to Jack Eschenbach for about 25 yards. And that's what you're seeing for the most part with Mordecai and Locke. They're they're very intelligent. They're grasping the offense, and they don't make major mistakes. And that's not to say we haven't seen an occasional interception. And when you throw it this much, that's going to happen. But that's really stood out about those two. Um, and Locke, the same. We know Luke Fickle on Thursday really praised his um, – ability to study and grasp the offense and um all those throws to cj williams were from Locke, and he also had a nice 35 yard completion to skylar bell with the second team offense so i if you are a wisconsin fan and obviously you haven't had a chance to see this yet the way things are trending 
you've got to feel very good about uh, where things are heading with this quarterback group this year, especially from those two, because the talent and the execution level is starting to come along. And obviously the next question is, well, where's, where's Nick Evers? And it, it continues to be, I won't call it a roller coaster because it's basically been this from the start where he's so far behind. He is lagging so far behind those two that he's not even in the conversation. And there have been sequences and that happened against Saturday where Miles Burkett and Marshall Howe were in ahead of Evers. And I think that when they went to the team reps, Howe was the third quarterback, which says an awful lot. But I'll, I also think that it has to do with the ability to grasp the offense. And you and I saw it. I think there was a sequence where he's standing there in the shotgun and it's kind of looking around and ends up talking to a coach. Like they're trying to, he's trying to see what the play call is or, or how it's going to unfold. And obviously that's us from a thousand feet away trying to figure out what's being said. But I, I think that's got to be the biggest issue because the athletic ability and the arm talent are still there. And he had a couple great throws too, uh, despite the, the, lengths that he still has to go to to kind of grasp everything he he they had they rolled him out to the right and he completed a really nice pass to Quincy Burroughs for about 25 yards and he also had a 40-yard completion of Marcus Allen down the sideline so he's definitely doing some good things but just not in the same zip code as Mordecai and Locke right now yeah it's I mean it's, <clears throat> it's not a competition no not for that not there at least one and two it's not a competition yeah, it's not it's not a competition, and we'll see exactly how that plays out the rest of the spring. As again, they continue to put in the offense, which I believe today was supposed to be the last day of install, according to the Longo months ago. We'll see <laughs> if that's actually the case or not. But you would hope that there be growth in spring. That's what spring's supposed to be about, and uh, we'll see if uh, you get that out of Nick Evers because athletically and arm wise, it's all there. It's all there for sure, for sure. A couple more things on the offense. Let's talk about the pace. Yes. So it wasn't like this the entire practice, but for uh, one portion of team practice, for the first and second teams, they were going fast. And by fast, I'm saying the 40-second play clock wasn't getting under 30. And most of the time, for the first team offense, it was getting snapped at 32-31. So... It was a situation where things were going fast. The defense was on their heels. I thought the offense had some success in that moment. But I mean, that if I think that's as fast as they can go, but yep. I, I don't, and I don't think it's like how they're always going to go. But North Carolina ran the per uh, game last year, ran the 15th, uh, was 15th in the country in plays per game. And so that's the type of speed that they want to do this. So, and there's only two Big Ten teams that ran more plays per game last year, and that was Indiana and Purdue. So it stood out. It was uh, very evident how fast you could see Fickle telling guys, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It was as quick as any offense I've seen at Wisconsin. And it's not particularly close. It was like two minute drill on steroids. Yep. It's, and that's the first time we've had a chance to see that real move the ball, which is it's the first true indicator of how fast this offensive tempo is going to be. And it's not perfect. And I, I think it's going to take a while for everybody to adjust. And a good example is, with the first team offense, Mordecai put about a 25 yard completion on the Chimray DK, but there was a flag thrown for a false start. Um, and then uh, I mean, we saw later in practice, like some of those offensive linemen coming off the Dragon. field. 
just Dragon. absolutely gassed. And I, I mean, we've said before, like to me, that's the position group that has to adjust the most to all this. When we had a chance to talk to them earlier in the week, it's, it's night and day, but just to see that even for one sequence, and it was more like, I think four plays for the first team, four plays for the second team, but you can see how much that pace has the potential to be highly effective when this group has a chance to practice it, because we talked about CJ Williams, 40 yard touchdown catch that came at the end of this. It was the fourth play. Um, and the defense is, it's really, really challenging. I think for a defense. Now, my question is, this is all exciting now and it's stuff we've never seen before at Wisconsin. We'll see what happens when you play the Ohio States of the world and what happens when you go three and out or a couple three and outs. Um, because that this changes everything about Wisconsin football. They've been so good at the, winning the time of possession battle and, and uh, the defense not being out there for long and just running people in the trenches and wearing guys down. And it's just going to be so different. So they obviously have to figure out a way for this to be effective. But when it is effective, it's it is something to behold. Well, I mean, if you look at Ohio State's drives last year um, on offense, it didn't really matter. Well, they were scoring. They weren't going three and out. So I'm saying they were right, right. But like when you, I mean, they're they're scoring drives around like two and a half to three minutes. So it's not like uh, the Ohio State's the world. If it's going to be a three and out, then your defense is going to get scored on in two or three minutes as well. So um, it's you know that type of thing. But I I do think maybe it had an effect on the centers as well because if you if you look at some of the if you want to look at a negative for today, I thought at times the quarterbacks were playing shortstop. Uh, with some of the with some of the snaps from Tanner Bordellini and, and Joe Huber, because I it, it wasn't bad at the beginning of practice, but I think as things got towards the end of it, and I think they got winded and gassed, and and I, as you mentioned, how fast things were going, some of the snaps were not ideal, and it kind of it, it hurts the flow of the offense. But again, it's guys that are just experiencing this for the first time, so it's not a shot at at either you know Tanner or Joe. It's just I think it plays a role in that. And um, right there, you didn't hear me mention Jake Renfro. Jake Renfro did not practice today. He was in a boot. Uh, you said he was on crutches, right? For, for uh, at the start, at the start, at least. And yeah, we're who knows exactly what's going on because we're not necessarily provided with exactly. But he was he was on the crutches for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I saw him now that it's out there. I, I saw him yesterday when I was leaving the facility, and he was not on crutches, but did have the boot on. So we'll see how serious that is and how long it's going to keep him out. It, I think it may have played a role. And and now I, I get to, uh, I don't know about not apologize, but I get to at least um, say maybe I wasn't uh, uh, totally, totally right. Uh, maybe he was just struggling with uh, uh, struggling with the injury and it led to some of the, uh, the issues in one-on-one. So mea culpa, mea culpa here from me. Some of the other things on offense that stood out to you today, anything? Well, can we talk about the running backs or lack thereof? Yeah, so I guess we I mean, talk about Jake Renfro right there. Let's talk about the, the running backs. Braylon Allen was at practice today, uh, did not take part in any of the team drills, did take part a little bit in, in the skelly. I don't think I actually saw him catch a ball or carry no. a ball in any uh, live situations. He's been dealing with that 
I believe a, a leg injury of some sort since uh, going down Tuesday. So he was, he was limited. Uh, Jackson Aker did not practice at all. I believe he's dinged up. I believe he's got a shoulder injury. He didn't practice at all. Uh, Julius Davis left early. He went through something and then he was working with a trainer and I don't, we never saw him again. And then Ches Malusi also appeared to get dinged up later in practice and uh, did not return. So what it left was a lot of Kade Yacomelli, a lot of Grover Bordelotti, and a lot of Zach Lauderman. That's, uh, they were down to one scholarship running back by the time practice was done. Yeah, it was the Cade Yacomelli show. Um, and he was doing it all. He was getting the carries up the middle. They like to have the running backs catch some passes out of the backfield in the flat. And uh, I mean, look, the number three running back job to me, it's between Cade and Jackson. Um, I I feel as though based on the way Fickle responded on Thursday when I asked specifically about Cade, that Jackson would have an edge because he said, Fickle was talking about how it's kind of early to make a, a, an initial impression on these guys right now, but what he's looking for is not what happens when you have the ball in your hand. Obviously, that's important, but he said the guys can separate themselves with what they do when the ball isn't in their hand. Um, and to me, that's, you know, Jackson Aker. Um, we know he played fullback. We know he can block, but I'm really intrigued with Yakamelli's skill set. Like, obviously, he came in here as a safety. They moved him to running back, but when he was in high school, he ran for 2,788 yards and 46 touchdowns out in Pennsylvania. So he kind of had to do a little bit of everything today. This is not the first time where we've come across this in spring practice, even at running back. I think a couple springs ago we had this situation. And I, I don't think that it, it doesn't feel like it's too serious. Um, like this is going to be, they won't have enough bodies throughout the spring. Like if Braylon is out there and he's going through running some routes and skeleton, that's certainly an encouraging sign and to be determined on Ches and Julius um, and Jackson Aker as well. But it was certainly was noteworthy during this practice that nobody was basically left by the end. Yeah. It's just, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're going to pass it this much, I guess that's uh, right. Who needs a running back? I mean, right. honestly, exactly. Exactly. Um, defensively, not a, uh, not a ton stood out. I will, I will say this. I thought they played the run quite well. Um, I thought they, a lot of the playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage quite a bit for the defensive line and, and the linebackers. I thought they handled, especially the first team unit. I thought they handled that perfectly, really, really well. Um, and when you have a lot of guys around the line of scrimmage, it's going to leave you kind of open to some of the other things that, uh, Wisconsin's offense wants to do. What, what is that? What's that thing that Phil Longo says? If we're going to take what we're going to take what you give us. If you want to put eight in the box, we're going to throw all day. If you're going to put mm -hmm. six in the box, we're going to run all day. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, Wisconsin's defense had a lot of guys around the line of scrimmage. And um, we know that the offense and defense are working together to put together these um, practice plans. So it's not like they don't know what's coming and that type of thing. But um, I, I certainly thought that they stopped the run well. Um, the, the passing game against the second team, not a not not great. I mean, some of those some of those passes to CJ Williams, he was wide open. Um, that's the first two, he was wide open. So uh we also got an Owen Arnett interception. He picked off uh, Marshall Howe. So um there weren't I mean, and there were some nice pass breakups too, but it wasn't it, it was certainly more of an offensive day than it was a defensive day. Yep, this was absolutely a day for the offense. And sometimes it's it's hard to, to pick the defensive standouts unless they're coming up with that massive play. Um 
you know, when they plug up holes and stop the run, it's, it's not necessarily something that's going to stand out in a, in a practice report. Um, but we've consistently seen the same top group. I mean, I, I, I feel pretty confident at this point in who the, the top defensive guys are. And I think that's what's notable. And when we are talking about a lot of these big passing plays, it's not coming against those top guys just yet. Um, so, and Mike Trestle has utilized a lot of different defenses. I think that was the story early on in this, in the spring in the second practice on Tuesday that he was using the, you know, the two, three, six, and it's really fascinating and intriguing the, the variety of ways that he can, uh, put guys in places that teams aren't able to necessarily prepare for it. But on Saturday, it was a, it was just a day for the offense. The big plays really stood out. So I had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to chat with the inside linebackers and mm-hmm. Mike Trussell uh, yesterday, and I, I talked a little bit about it on yesterday's show. But I, I know that you were really interested in in how using some of these different body types um, in different places. Did you did you gain anything you think from from those conversations with with Trussell? He's a he's an energy bunny. Um, he, yeah. he is he, and he is exactly like the rest of uh, I should say most of this staff. Very very energetic. Very fast talking, very like moving around while he's having the conversation. It was, it was good. It was good. My story on Monday is all about Mike Trestle. Uh, This dude is uh, definitely high energy. I think that's, you'll probably be hearing that on TV. Like you hear about Jonathan Taylor's top end speed and track or something like that. But it's, it's interesting listening to him talk about the defense. He's, he's very excited. I think one thing that has stood out with this coaching staff, they seem to be very eager to share their knowledge with reporters and certainly Mike Trestle. Like when he comes up and meets with reporters, the first thing he says is, all right, what do you guys got? What have you seen? What do you want to ask me? Um, (laughs) And uh, so I did ask him like, what, what is the advantage here? What do you see when you put an outside linebacker on the line in a two point stance, or you've got a, uh, safety at that linebacker depth. And he talked about it for an outside linebacker and it made a lot of sense. Okay. That's really important because if you put somebody down in the ground, they can really only do one thing. They, they don't have the ability, ability to, to scan the offense, to see what's going to happen, to make adjustments. And they don't all, they also don't have the ability to drop into coverage from where they are. And so it just kind of made sense. And with a guy like Hunter Waller, who they have playing at that linebacker depth, he can do so many different things. And we even saw it in, practice the other day that he he can cover deep i think he did that on a deep ball and and uh it was an incomplete pass he got an interception over the middle and he came up and stuffed i think it was ches malusi for a run in the backfield so there's just a lot of versatility you have to have the personnel to be able to do it but it's very interesting listening to trestle talk about his defense he's enthusiastic about it and he wants to share that knowledge with reporters and it's going to be done in a little bit different way from what we saw jim leonard do but I think this group clearly has an opportunity to be highly successful. How do you think he has done in trying to be himself and yeah. not trying to be Jim Leonard? To me, that was one of the most interesting things that Trestle talked about. And obviously I was asking the questions on that for the story that's running Monday, but I was really interested in it because he is walking into what could be a very challenging situation for some coaches. Jim Leonard was as beloved as, Anybody at Wisconsin in a long time, he had a ton of success. The circumstances last season were so unique. Certainly nothing we've seen before at Wisconsin where he's made the interim coach and then looks like he's going to get the job and he doesn't get it. And he ends up stepping away after the bowl game. And now in comes Mike Tressel, 
um, who's got to be his own guy. And that's what he talked about is he can only be himself. He can only be true to himself. He's super high energy. And when you talk to the players, they neither style is um, there's no negative in it, but they said Jim was much more laid back and he would kind of let you figure things out. And Mike Tressel is more, I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. And some of these guys were talking about because Tressel's also the inside linebackers coach. Jordan Turner was talking about how recently in a practice, he was showing him a drill with proper hand placement technique and just knocked a dude backward. Um, and everybody likes to joke about how undersized Trestle is, but he said, if, you know, if he could still do it and he played defensive back 30 years ago, then, then everybody can do it. But I think this is a situation where people just kind of feed off that energy and they're looking to get better. And his experience is something that they're really impressed with. And he said, when we have meetings at six 45 in the morning, you're going to think it's 6:45 in the evening because he wants to provide that energy and if he has a bad day you will never know it. So, it's the only way he's known how to be. And I think the another interesting thing is when I asked Luke Fickle about this on Thursday, he talked about how and this is a, a good parallel when he brought Mike Tressel on board at Cincinnati 2 years ago. It was after Marcus Freeman left and he had a lot of success at Cincinnati. He became the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and now he's obviously the head coach. But he said what's what Fickle's Fickle said what stood out about Trestle is that he just earned their respect by being himself, by being a great teacher and helping them understand who he was. And I think that experience makes it much easier to walk into a situation like this one. But he said, I would much rather take over a defense that was coached by Jim Leonard because the players are really good. They're really disciplined. And the alternative is going into a program with a bunch of guys who stink. And he said, if, if you do that, you can coach them all you want and they're still going to stink. So he will gladly <laughs> take a defense like this. So I thought that was a great response. Yeah. Uh, and that story is going to be coming up on Monday on the athletic. So uh, certainly check that out. You can check out Jesse's practice sport. That is also up on the athletic right now. And uh, yeah. Uh, anything else that, uh, that stood out for you before uh, we part ways? I think we pretty much covered it day for the oh. offense. And that's always exciting. It is definitely is. Um, all right. Well, I'll be back on Monday. We are going to hear from uh, Pat Lambert and uh, Max Steinecker, uh, the recruiting staff. And then uh, we'll get back with uh, Jesse on Thursday to see a few more practices or at least, yeah, a few more practice, a couple more practices. And uh, we'll continue to, to break down what we see in the spring. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.